Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Everyone, you are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast. We've got some playoff hockey to talk about. Very exciting times for the Flyers. And I'm very excited to be joined by Brooke Destra. Uh, Brooke, I know you're feeling good. The Flyers are feeling good. What do you think about this opening round about to start? Oh, man. Uh, there is just so much energy right now surrounding the Flyers and really the East overall. I mean, who really would have thought that they were going to come out first in the round robin? So I think the players are really going to carry over that kind of intensity moving into the first round against the Canadians, and I cannot wait. How hype are you? Tell me right off the bat. I love your energy. <laughs> I'm ready to go. As much as we enjoyed the round robin, uh, especially watching the Flyers play so well, uh, you know, no one's going to complain about watching quality hockey, but uh, I think everyone's ready for a best-of-seven series. Um, I think even the players are, too. I think, you know, obviously they didn't have the pleasure of playing a team game after game after game. They were playing a new team every time. I think they're ready to see a team up close and personal for a long time. And, Brooke, we know the schedule. Uh, game one is on Wednesday of this best-of-seven series. Uh, Brooke, with the schedule, anything pop out to you? Anything concern you? Anything stick out in general? Um, well, I'm also like right off the bat, I'm really excited that the Flyers have two essentially primetime games with the 8 p.m. start. So it's essentially going to be kind of like the round robin. Everybody's going to be having their eyes on the Flyers and the Canadians. Um, but the one thing that really sticks out is going to be if the Flyers – obviously do not sweep the Canadians. They do have that back-to-back -back, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, games four and five. So that's something to keep an eye out on, how the lines might adjust, how players are going to be, because the Flyers had significant days in between each round robin game. So having this kind of turnaround time, it'll be interesting to see how quickly they get things going in a game five if it's necessary. Yeah, Brooke, a great point, and that's something that stuck out to me, too. Uh, one, the prime time, for sure. Uh, Wednesday, game one is at 8 p.m., and it's cool to see uh, the other, a few of the other games, obviously, in prime time as well. But that back-to-back, -back, like you said, games four and five could be a back-to-back, -back. and why that kind of sticks out to me is uh, you're looking at a really young goalie in Carter Hart who has never really done the whole back-to-back -back thing at the NHL level. This year, he never played. He played once on no day's rest, and that was in relief duty. He came in in relief. Whereas then you have a goalie for the Canadians that everyone knows about, Carey Price, um, a veteran who turns 33 years old on Sunday. 
who has probably done the back-to-back thing quite a bit. But I did notice this year in back-to-back duty, uh, Price's numbers were not great, Brooke. He was in four starts in which he played on no day's rest. He was 0-2-2 with a 3.76 goals against average and 8.64 save percentage. So while he may be used to it, you know, he's probably done it, obviously. Um, you know, he is getting older. He's, you know, he's turning 33 on Sunday. So maybe his body's not allowing for uh, great success in those types of situations. So I think that'll be a fascinating thing to see, Brooke. Like you said, if we get to that point, game four and five, being a back-to-back, um, something that certainly sticks out for sure. And it also makes you wonder if Vigneault's going to give Brian Elliott some time if they have those back-to-backs. Because obviously you can rely on Carter Hart. He's proven himself time after time. It'll be interesting to see how he does adapt to a series rather than uh, individual games. But depending on the way that the series is kind of leading by the fourth and fifth games – I have a feeling we probably will see Vigneault because he does trust the backup in Elliott. But what do you, what do you think? Do you think Vigneault is going to give Carter the shot to go back and forth or stick with Elliott with one game? Really glad you asked that question because I was literally about to throw that question right at you. Aha, I beat you to it. <laughs> yes. um, with Elliott, uh, I know we both trust him and the Flyers have trusted him. Uh, I think this is a time that they're going to really ride Carter Hart, I think, at this point. He's young, he's fresh, he's coming off that obviously long pause. Um, as long as his body allows it, I think the Flyers will ride Carter. Um, unless he goes into a deep funk where maybe back-to-back games he throws up a couple clunkers and you really kind of need to get his mind right, then maybe you go to Brian Elliott. I think even in that back-to-back, I think they'll go with Carter. I think they should. But, Brooke, what do you think? Are you opposed to going to Brian? Would you like to see them go to Brian? What, what do you think there? I, I'm kind of in between a little bit. Yeah, I'm kind of on the fence as well, just because I have the mindset of you don't want Elliot to also sit for too long of a time. You know, he got a little bit uh, – he played the third period in the exhibition game against the Penguins. He had the full really great uh, game against the Capitals in the round robin but you don't want him sitting for a significant amount of time. You just want to keep him um, as active as possible. Obviously, if Hart is on top of his game, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But it wouldn't be the end of the world if Elliot did get a start just for those reasons, because it may not be as essential in the first round, but it might be as time progresses. And yeah, that's kind of where my mind is right now. No, I like that. And, the one reason I think we won't see him or we won't see Brian Elliott, I think in that game five, which would be the second game of that back-to-back is because that game five could be really, really big. And sure. I think that's the point where the Flyers will probably want to go with their number one guy, unless Carter Hart loses game four and he's just kind of in a mess, maybe mentally and also with his game. But that game, that game five could be with the Flyers up three, one looking to clinch. It could be a two, two series. Obviously that could totally swing things. So I think it's why we'll, we'll see Carter. But it's very true, though, Brian. Like, you want to – it's difficult because you're fighting that balance of wanting to get him right, maybe right. and keep him fresh for when needed. Uh, because if you do need him, you know, you don't want him to be completely rusty. But the good thing is Brian Elliott is a guy that's made a career out of being a tandem goalie. He's very used to coming into difficult situations where maybe he needs to spell a guy. And um, 
I, I think he's grown accustomed to that. So that's a, a very big positive. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help. Speaking of important pieces, Brooke, to this series, let's look at a couple of X factors. We're going to look at an X factor for the Flyers side and an X factor for the Canadian side. Let's start with the Flyers. Who is your Flyers X factor, Brooke? Ooh, that's a good question because I just feel like the whole team is an X factor because everybody mm -hmm. doubted them. So I have receipts. I'm keeping the receipts. I can't wait to throw them out at the end of this series. Here we go. <laughs> um, but more so, and it's interesting because leading into back to the NHL's return to play, my mentality was the X factor was going to be a Scott Lawton or um, even Tyler Pitlick. But at this rate, my X factor is actually going to be the top line because they have been a little quiet, like Claude Giroux, Sean Couturier. You know that these guys are going to need to get going. And it's a bit of a hot take to actually say they're the X factor. <laughs> but normally when you move to the postseason – everyone kind of emphasizes that the top six kind of cancel each other out. And it's all about the depth. It's all, it's all about the goaltending in the postseason. And the Flyers have already put up some pretty great numbers with their depth through the first few games uh, within the round robin. And I know things are going to change uh, intensity-wise when we get to that first round against the Canadians. But the fly like, it, it – Giroux and Couturier can get things going. Oh, my God. Like, I just – I genuinely don't think they're going to be stopped. And that should be terrifying, absolutely terrifying. And I love it. <laughs> and that's a great – and it's so true because there's a few interesting things to that top line. One, Brooke, being what you just said, if they get going and then you continue to get the depth production that they got during the round robin, like, look out. That yeah. seems to be really, really difficult to beat. Uh, but then at the same time, are they playing with fire a little bit? Are they getting by without that top line producing and will it eventually come back to bite them a little bit? Uh, it might. Um, yeah. I think Elaine Vigneault has said it time and time again that in order to have success, you need your top guys, your money guys to produce. We saw that earlier in the season, and I think it rings particularly true going to playoffs. That top line has to get going. And Brooks, something to note for fans, Jacob Borchek is a member of that top line, but we know he did not play in the round-robin finale against the uh, Lightning uh, for an undisclosed issue. He did practice Monday, and he will be a game-time decision Wednesday. So something to watch, something to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, but I love that top line pick. They're going to have to produce throughout the playoffs if this team really wants to go on a run. Yeah, um, it's essentially a hot take since they are the top line, and normally the X factors are like what's going to make them – like what's – you know, unexpected for the team, but you know, why not? It's, it's my decision. So Brooke, I'm let, calling top line. <laughs> if anyone comes at Brooke for her X factor pick, we've got problems. You know, my Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what about you? What do you think the Flyers X factor is? No, for me, Brooke, I'm going to go with James Van Riemsdyk. Um, a guy that obviously did not play in the second game in the round Robin uh, was healthy scratched. Part of that was big picture, Elaine Vigneault trying to get some guys reps, but I think part of it was also he wants to see more from James Van Riemsdyk. Elaine Vigneault said James had been just okay so far during the round robin. So I think he's a guy that, one, can give them 
some really good production in the bottom six. He's a guy that can also climb your lineup if you're dealing with some health issues. And bro, that power play was not very good in the round robin. I, I believe it was 0 for 12. And uh, that's something that they're going to have to get going. JVR is a power play guy. He's been one his whole career. He's a guy that can really give that some life. Um, and then to boot, he has really good career numbers against the Canadians. He has 16 career goals against Montreal. He's only scored more goals against one other team in the NHL. So I think it's a good matchup for him. I think it's a good matchup. I think he's an X factor because of some of the things that he can give. The power play, some life. He can give some depth production. And he's a guy that can give them more. Uh, I think that Vigneault is looking for more from him. So, Brooke, I'm going to go with James Van Riemsdyk. You're going with the top line, some good selections. Now, let's look at Montreal, an X factor on the opposition side. Okay. So... Hear me out on this one, too. <laughs> you're, you're getting me excited for your picks. I like this. I know. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting a little spicy today. Yes. This is what happens when we have fun hockey to watch. <laughs> but right off the bat, I mean, you see the Canadians kind of coming in as this underdog team against the Flyers, first and 12th seeds against one another. But we also kind of thought that when they were playing the Penguins and they, first of all, it's, I'm not knocking any, like I'm not discrediting the Canadians for anything. They played a really great game. They outplayed the Penguins, especially in game five. I mean, uh, game four, I'm sorry. The best of five series is really throwing me off still, <laughs> but they really found a way to embarrass Pittsburgh and the Flyers have kind of had trouble in the past with keeping the momentum going against teams that are essentially worse than them on paper. And I, kind of, I wrote about this when we were doing our potential matchup series and we rerun it uh, on NBC Sports Philadelphia once the matches were set in stone. But the Flyers can't play down. And obviously the Canadians have something to fight for. So I'm just, I'm really concerned in the fact that I guess it's more of like a fear for the Flyers than an X factor for the Canadians, but you just don't want the Flyers to play down. You want to keep that momentum going. And obviously any opportunity that the Canadians can capitalize on, they're going to. So this could essentially be a trap series do I think the momentum of how the season has been and the chemistry of the team has any indication that that's going to be a trap series? No, but it's the Stanley cup playoffs. So you never know. <laughs> it's so true. And Brooke, we've seen that storyline with the flyers in the past of when they're kind of the underdog and no one's really looking at them. They play up against these really great teams. We saw it all season and we've definitely seen it in the flyers recent past. And then the lesser competition, they play down to it. Um, they didn't do it as much this season, like you said. We can definitely state that. But there was times. We saw it against the Canadians themselves uh, in January when they had that 4-1 loss um, at the Wells Fargo Center. It was a clunker. Credit mm -hmm. to the Flyers. They came right back and got right back up on the horse. But um, that has happened, and I think that undeniably can be a concern for Flyers fans because the Canadians really had nothing to lose. They just beat the Penguins and surprised everyone there. Um, and, it, and it's got some veteran pieces, too, Brooke. Like, you're thinking Carey Price, Shea Weber. Um, it's got some names there, too. 
Um, so for me, my X factor is actually Shea Weber. Uh, I'm not going to go with the obvious of Price. We all know Price. Elaine Vigneault said that today. Everyone knows about Kerry Price. But Shea Weber is a guy, veteran guy. Uh, he's turning 35 in August. Um, been around a while. He's big. I think he's going to make life difficult on the Flyers in both ends of the rink. Uh, offensively, in the offensive end, he can – also we know about his big shot and what he can do scoring-wise. And then defensively, he's a big body that I think won't allow the Flyers to do as much as what they want to offensively. Um, and he's got good career numbers against the Flyers. I looked it up. He has uh, – Shea Weber has 17 career points in – 20 regular season matchups against the Flyers. Uh, and he played well against them this year. He was a point-per-game guy against the Flyers uh, this season. So I'm going to go with Shea Weber. I think he's a guy to watch. Um, and Flyers fans know Shea Weber pretty well from the whole – Oh, offer. yeah. The <laughs> anniversary of that, the offer sheet was – Brooke, are we going to see some former Flyer Shea Weber tweets? I have a feeling we will. Former Flyer Shea Weber when he, obviously he was not a former Flyer. But uh, that will be fun to see uh, that, that rekindled. Yeah, I'm sure if he if he scores at any point throughout the series, a few tweets are going to have to pop up like, oh, thank God they yeah. <laughs> matched that offer sheet. So great. Your NBC Sports Philadelphia podcasts are now on the My Teams app. Listen to Eagle Eye, Sixers Talk, Phillies Talk, and Flyers Talk now. Moving forward and also going back to Jacob Voracek, as we noted, Brooke, uh, he practiced Monday and he is a game-time decision for Wednesday. We do not know what could possibly be ailing him, but we definitely know he's an important piece. Uh, just how important could he be, Brooke? And if he does come back, do you, do you expect him to see him on that top line? Well, I think he's going to be on the top line almost by default just because I really doubt they're going to break up the second line of Lawton, Hayes, and Konechny. Um, and I don't really see him being a bottom six player at any time throughout the playoffs just because of the experience that Voracek has had in the playoffs and the fact that he's an assist machine. When he gets going, it's just he's someone you can always rely on, and I'm pretty sure that the confidence factor is going to continue to grow for him while they're in the bubble because nobody's going to be yelling shoot at him in the crowd. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like Voracek doesn't really get the kind of respect that he deserves, especially for the amount of time, the amount of time that he has spent as a flyer and in Philadelphia, along with Claude Giroux, he's kind of been like almost a right hand guy for Giroux and, they pick each other up in a sense and they only make each other better players. And obviously you want your top players at their best. So I'd see him right back on that first line, but also I was really, I was happy with how Joel Therabee performed with that. So I don't know. There's, there's a lot of good problems to have right now with the lineup. And that's just because there is a lot of talent. There's a lot of depth. So it's just kind of breaking things down. And honestly, if you threw every name in a bowl and shuffled it up, I'm sure that they would find success regardless. But luckily, we don't have to do that. So <laughs> It's true. I really think you could put people in numerous spots in this lineup. And I think just the chemistry um, is almost innate with this group. Uh, so, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt that one bit. And I do expect to see Jacob Borchek on that top line for the reasons that you mentioned, Brooke. Um, there was really good chemistry with Sean Couturier. Uh, actually, when they were put together, right around November 23rd, uh, Voracek just took off. 
And I think he had a very, very underrated regular season. I thought he was one of the best, the Flyers' best players. Um, and from that November 23rd, he had 43 points in 47 games. He was a plus 14. Um, and I think he got some of the best out of Sean Couturier, too. I know we always talk about Couturier getting the best out of his line mates, but I think Voracek made Sean Couturier better. Um, There's just really good chemistry on that line. I expect him to be there if he plays. Uh, even with Joel Farabee playing well, that was something important to note. Joel Farabee did look really good on that top line, but when it comes to between Farabee going to the third line or Voracek, I, I think it's obvious that Joel will go down there, um, sure. will play well in the bottom six. His game allows him to play well in the bottom six. Jacob Voracek, I expect to be on that top line, and I think he's a very, very important player. Um, I think if he doesn't play, that's a huge absence to start the series. So, Flyers friends, cross your fingers that he's okay and he can play because uh, I think we all know how important he is. Uh, but, Brooke, looking a, at a little bit of hope and worry, we hate to do that. I know we've been positive, but we got to look at the worry as well. Know, but we're going to look at some hope and worry, why we like this series for the Flyers and why there may be some concerns. But first, Brooke, let's start off with why you like the Flyers' chances in this series against Montreal. Well, I like the Flyers' chances against anybody. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to backtrack to the fact that I don't feel like any obstacle thrown at them is going to be that difficult to adjust. And they lost Michael Raffle against Boston, and we really don't know when he's going to return. That essentially in previous years would have been a huge blow. For the Flyers, it would have cut penalty kill time. That would have really affected the bottom six. And Joel Farabee got his start. And it's always been this great next man up mentality where if players go down, we're ready to step back up. We know who's next in line. And the team as well also knows that. And they have trust not only in their core players, but in some of the younger guys that are getting their first experience in the postseason as well. So I really am enforcing their next man up. And the fact that they really do have this, I hate using the word swagger, but they have this kind of, oh, I have to say it again. They have this kind of <laughs> swagger moving into the first round of the postseason and the playoffs. And it's just, you can't not rally around them which is why it's exciting and why you believe in them. But they also have the numbers and the players and the stats and the coaching to back everything up. It's not just kind of running on will and hoping for the best. So yeah. everything's justified. No, it's so true. And there's no reason to not – to me, there's no reason to think, like, are the, is this group going to overlook Montreal? Like, I've had some people ask me, like, does this matchup scare you at all? Like, Canadians being the, the lower C, they just upset – to me, it, like, the Flyers just don't have that makeup. They have really good guys that um, aren't really going to look past teams. It's just not that – it's just not this type of team. I, I just don't see that one bit. I think they have a good leadership group in Claude Giroux, Jacob Borchek, Sean Gattorier, Kevin Hayes, Matt Niskanen, um, guys that I think know uh, the Canadians are a good hockey team and that anyone can beat anyone. Um, so in, in a best of seven, I just don't see the Flyers overlooking this team. And there is so much to like about this, the makeup of the group. It's just that they're very balanced, and they have a young goalie um, who just did 
did some damage in the round robin. And I think that's one thing the Flyers are kind of reminding all of us media members uh, when they're asked, well, is there any concern that you guys are coming off of a round robin where the, the intensity might not be as much there compared to what the Canadians just went through in a best of five? And the Flyers are like, well, hey, we just beat the three best teams in the East uh, by a margin of 11 to three in some important games. We just climbed to the number one seed. So they're kind of quick to be like, hey, you know, we, we've had some important games, uh, some intense games against the best of the best. Um, so I think that's one reason why fans should not have to really worry about this team being ready. Um, and Brooke, another thing I wanted to know why I really like their chances is because Carter Hart only faced Montreal once during the regular season. Uh, the Flyers went 2-1-0 against Montreal. Two of, the, two of the wins were in overtime in November, and the loss came in January. Hart faced them only once. And, Brooke, we know the Flyers got a lot better from January on, and they got better after the trade deadline in February. So I think they're a different team than when they saw Montreal. I'm sure Montreal can probably say the same thing, but um, I think they're a much, much better team from when they saw Montreal. I think that's a reason to like their chances. What do you, would you agree with that, too? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you've been paying attention, you know that the Flyers have only continuously gotten better since that All-Star break, since the last time they've seen the Canadians. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, like I, I like our chances right off the bat just because of everything that's very cut and dry. When yeah. you look at the facts, when you look at the teams, when you look at their performances, I don't really see the Canadians finding a way to outplay the Flyers on more than, you know, a few games, if that at all. So, yeah, Carter Hart's obviously a huge factor in this. And, man, what a storyline it's going to be for Carter Hart going up against the Carey Price, the, his idol, essentially, the reason why he wanted to go into goaltending. So, just what, it, the storylines write themselves. It's it crazy. Really do. And uh, Claude Drew said it. Monday, two really good goaltenders. It's going to be a treat to watch. And it is really cool. The year Harry Price won MVP and the Vesna, Brooke, Carter Hart was 16 years old. He was playing his first year of junior hockey. And wow. he, he has said Carey Price was his favorite goalie growing up. And he just got to meet him recently in this, obviously, this bubble scenario. He said it was the first time he had ever talked to him. Uh, I think it's a really fun time for this kid. Um, and I think he's just going to go in there with nothing to lose and, and play well. Uh, but, Brooke, we do have to look at the concerns. If there's any worry, any worry <laughs> from you about this series in Montreal, what might it be? Hmm. Not easy. It's not easy. It's not because, I mean, like I said, there are a lot of really great things about the Flyers. But I'm also – I'm still so, so stuck on – the goaltending right yes. now because I know the you mentioned back to back throughout the regular season Carey Price didn't really have great numbers when he had to play uh, without any um, time off but I am so scared of Carey Price yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just because of the legacy that he does have the stature that he has as a goaltender. He's so poised and composed, and it's just you never know when he's going to pull out those kind of games where he, you can't get anything past him and he just becomes a wall and a force. And that is something that will easily frustrate the Flyers if they can't break down that wall. Yeah. So 
again, it's really going to come down to a lot of goaltending for me. But yeah, that's just it's it's carry freaking price. <laughs> that's that's my biggest concern right now. I don't think you could put it any better. Carry freaking price. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like that's my concern too. Maybe it's stating the obvious, but there's a probably there's a reason why it is obvious. And I, my one concern would be that guy maybe stealing a game or two early in the series, and then I think just naturally human. The natural brain just starts to think, is this goalie going to do this to us? Um, he already has us thinking a little bit. And, you know, sometimes when you can't beat a goalie, it starts to get in your head a little bit. Right. Of, uh, and, you know, and then I worry about the Flyers trying a little too hard, maybe gripping the stick too tight uh, later in the series. And all of a sudden you're in a dogfight with a, with a lower seed that has nothing to lose. So Carey Price for sure. And he's got good career numbers against the Flyers. Even I looked it up. Over the past two seasons, this year and last year, he's 3-0-1 with a 9-5-9 save percentage and 1-4-9 goals against average. He's played well against this team. Um, that would be my concern is if he gets in the Flyers' heads a little bit early in the season, early in the series. I think a huge thing, Brooke, and I wanted to ask you, how important is the opening games? Because I think if they can – get past that storyline of Carey Price, if they can kind of beat him up maybe a little bit early in the series, that could really swing momentum. It could tire Price out, and it could convince them of, hey, everyone's making this a huge deal about Carey Price, but we just got him early. Um, I think that the early games could be huge in this. What do you think? Oh, without a doubt. Uh, right off the bat, it's just kind of like, obviously it's a little different for the Canadians because they're coming off of the best of five series. So, while I don't think game one is as crucial as it is, as it was for them in the qualifying round, but I mean, you always kind of want to be that first team that breaks the ice, gets on the board, gets that first win because it does essentially set the tone mm -hmm. for the rest of the series. If you're coming out at the first game with the loss, you're going to feel defeated. It's going to be, what did we do wrong? How can we come back? And you kind of get into a, a, me a negative mindset mentality for game two. But if you win that first game, you're still riding the high of coming out top in the East, sweeping the best three other teams in the East and just being like, all right, you know, we got this game on, we're locked in. And having that confidence is so important because then if they do go up the series, uh, two Oh, two one, then they're, they have a better sense of recovering and not saying that if they fall behind, it's going to be like, all right, we got to catch up. Like they think they're going to be out. They're not going to quit until they have, they're told they're sent packing. I don't see that happening anytime soon, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's, ah. <laughs> there's, there's so much to, to try and process because you think that it's a very simple series but there are so many extra layers to it that you may not initially think about. So, but yeah, they have to take game one. That's all I have to say. And I have confidence that they will. So. Yeah. I think it's a tone setting game, like you said. And I've kind of, I kind of feel bad for Flyers fans sometimes because there is so much reason to be optimistic right now. And I think anytime they're given a reason to be optimistic, they remind themselves <laughs> deep down of like, are we being too excited? Are we being too excited? Are we going to have to come back down to earth in a brutal way 
because that has happened at times <laughs> with them. Oh, so I, think, I know. <laughs> right. So I think everyone, I think everyone right now is just trying to be like, okay, is this, an, is, are, should we be nervous? Like what, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's helping everyone, including the Flyers, not overlook this team. I don't think they will. And I think if they need a wake-up call, if they need a wake-up call at all, you hope it's later in the series. Maybe when they're up 2-0, they get brought back down to earth a little bit. It's 2-1, and then all of a sudden they kind of have to wake up. Um, I think Flyers fans can hope for that scenario the most. Uh, but, Brooke, we will have plenty, plenty more hockey to talk about uh, next time we talk. Uh, the Flyers will be in the middle of this first best of seven first round series with Montreal. Oh, and uh, we're going to have a lot, a lot to discuss. Uh, but Brooke Desher, thank you so much as always. Uh, for those looking for Brooke Desher's work, please go to NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com. She'll have plenty of it. She already does. And she'll have more throughout this series. Brooke, thank you very much for joining us. Jordan Hall, it's always a pleasure. Can't wait to talk some more awesome playoff hockey with you. Absolutely. Can't wait. Uh, a special thank you to Ben Berry, our podcast producer. Uh, thank you as well. And uh, Flyers fans, this is your latest Flyers Talk podcast. Wherever you get your podcasts, please rate and subscribe. And we cannot wait to talk to you next time.